Hey, this is Joe Namath, and uh, they say it ain't easy being green. Are you ready? The New York Jets can beat anybody in the world, and I think we're going to win next Sunday. The New York Jets. I think Jet fans. Jet fans. Jet fans. Jet fans. Bird, ready, bird. Very passionate. Bird, ready, bird. Thank you, all you fans. They got their guy. Darnold falling to the Jets. Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold. That's such an upside. I think Jet fans. Very passionate. Brady sucks. Don't be sucks. I want an unbeliever. everybody and welcome to the latest edition of the ain't easy being green podcast broadcasting to you live from beautiful amazing picturesque crystal lake studios in putnam valley new york my name is keith farrell i am joined as always by the biggest jet fan in the state of texas none other than my colleague and co-host michael lagaris everyone i'm amped up baby also joining us from the Wookiee compound, live, ready to rock. You know him, you love him. The majestic beast, the big stinking Wookiee, Nicholas Kronk, everyone. <laughs> Ladies and gents, hope you're having a great evening. What's up, boys? Now we have part three of the Quarterback Chronicles coming up this week, focusing on one Sam Darnold, our beloved Samuel. Sam Darnold, who more than likely could be seeing his way out the door here. But, guys, there's still a small, a small chance he could end up being the quarterback, so we wanted to address it. We can't stick our head in the sands. That could be a thing. We had Joe blew it on, chop it up with us, Mike. Broke it down to a finite level. But, Mike, when me and you talk, Sam, we know what we're talking about. All Jets fans do. We know football. We're watching. We're watching what he's doing on the Blitz. We're watching how he's uh, how he's reacting uh, under pressure. We're, we, you look at it analytically, but at the same time, it's hard for us. I'll speak for myself. I'm going to talk about words in your mouth, Mike. I've watched, yeah. games with, I've watched games with you. I know how me and you are. We, we've been throwing it at Italian restaurants. Yeah. Sometimes the emotion can cloud your judgment right and i know joe blue is a jet fan but it seems like he's someone that doesn't have that problem when it comes to the way he analyzes looks at sam looks at the jets you know very educated opinion when he comes to uh explaining why sam hasn't been that good the right. last three years do you agree mike I completely agree. I've been listening to Joe Blewett for a couple of years. He is a big Jet fan, but he tells says it as it is. And uh, the way he broke down Sam, it's the facts, man. And the guy has just not gotten better. And his faults, his issues have just gotten worse. And we understand the, the, you know, the environment and everything. So I don't want to break it. I don't want to ruin it for anybody. I'm a little bit upset right now because I should be watching the the New York Knicks, they're hustling. They got that hustle and hustle muscle and bustle? tonight. Don't, the don't, hustle don't start. and muscle don't, tonight. Don't start. Yeah, Are Wookie. Are the Knicks and right now, Wookie? Spinning and winning, man. They're wow. spinning and winning. They're spinning and winning. They definitely are. <laughs> I mean, it, I, I've never been excited over a 500 team in my life. That, no, guys, a couple things. That was a Wookie trolling because he does not, he's not a fan of Walcott Frazier. That's why. My no, wait, 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 wait. Wait, I, I'm a, I am a fan of Walt Clyde Frazier for what he did for the Knicks and what he represents as a Nick legend. As a, as an announcer, <laughs> All right. You know, but you're also honest. You're not a fan of John Sterling either. But the Knicks, guys, the Knicks have not balling this year. Let's give them some credit. They, oh, haven't, had a win- they haven't had a winning Absolutely. record this late in the season. You- it's been like eight or nine years. So give us some love. Qu- Quickly, quick, Keith. Keith quickly, I, and I, know this, I know this isn't, isn't a, this isn't, nice. this isn't a, a Nick podcast, but I just got to say something. Quickly, 94 for 100 from the free throw line? What? Oh, it is nice. He's like Mark. Remember when we were growing up, guys? Mark Price. On the Mark Price. Remember he would never miss a free throw? 
ever. Like the whole season? That's what this cat reminds me of. We've been watching, you know, we riding or dying with the Knicks forever. They torture us. And just just like our Jets, just like a lot of our teams here in New York, they've been a big disappointment for a long time. But it seems like Julius Randle is a star. Quickly looks Coming like wrong. he's the real deal. I mean, it seems like we got a bunch of guys out there that that are young, feisty. But let's get back to the Jets here, guys. Yeah, yeah, let's get yeah. to. I'm sorry, we got, we got totally off topic here. <laughs> Sam Darnold, Sam Darnold, QB Chronicles Part Three coming up here. Joined by Joe Blue to break it down. Let's go. The situation uh, kind of got heavy on me. All right, everybody, welcome back to the show. This is week three of the Quarterback Chronicles here, Part Three, starring our very own Sam. Darnold. We're going to really dig into the minutia of Sam Darnold this week. Uh, the small, precise details sometimes that we miss as Jet fans because we get so emotional. So to join us this week, a very special guest, police officer, Jet fan, master of the film breakdown. Yeah. Well-respected name in the Jet universe. Joe Blewett is here today. Thank you very much for joining us, Joe. Yeah, man, I'm pumped. Uh, like we were talking a little bit before, it's dead. Uh, but now the offseason's about to come in a week or so. Uh, with some of these signings, franchise tags, drafts, get to watch yes. them on some new guys, uh, move on to the future of Jets football, hopefully, exactly. not the last decade of what it's been. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It seems to be yeah. steering in that direction, so I'm I'm, I'm pretty pumped right now. So, yeah. obviously, uh, the quarterback being the biggest uh, topic to, yeah. to kind of figure out in the future, so I'm excited to talk about it. And before we get to say, let me ask you, you're a big Jets fan. You know we've had Adam Gase here the past two years. Now, we won't get into him. We've removed that negativity. We've removed that, Joe, from our equation here. What I want to ask you is, Robert Salah steps in the door here, a whole new regime. How do you feel about the hire? How do you feel about his chances here in New York moving forward? Uh, I really like it. Um, I I think with the Adam Gase hire, uh, that was obviously pretty much everybody's last option as Jets fans. We said that before he was hired, and of course he was hired. Uh, him and both uh, both him and Mike McCarthy were my bottom uh, guys. I really didn't want, to, uh, want Mike McCarthy. I can get into that for, from film aspect if, if I need to in a future podcast. But uh, didn't like any of those guys. Of course, they bring him Gase. It was miserable from every aspect, from on the field to off the field. Mm-hmm. Uh, wasn't respected by anybody in the NFL. Everybody's you know completely confused why we hired him uh, after going into this offseason and seeing you know exactly who the candidates were, looking against them, looking into some of their film. Uh, Salah was one of my top guys, along with the Matt Campbells of, of the world. Nice. Um, obviously, they brought him in. We all heard. You know, I'm sure we're all refreshing our, our Twitter feeds every single second to see uh, where, <laughs> you know, if he's getting signed or not. And then he leaves the building, and every Jets fan's panicking because it feels like we're going to get option. Now everybody was panicking. It's always oh, going to be Doug Peterson, so we're all freaking out. Uh, so it was great to bring him back. Uh, well-respected guy. Uh, leader, you know, whether it be big media wigs who respect the guy to NFL front office guys to players from Russell Wilson to everybody. So, yeah, uh, really respected throughout the league. His demeanor is great. His press conference wasn't a complete mess. You know, it doesn't have to be stellar, but as long as you're not Adam Gates with a taco with a taco emojis floating <laughs> around his head, it's, it's pretty much good. So, I was, I was, I've been really, really impressed with him. I like the way he speaks to the media, I like the way he, he speaks about his players. He's he seems to be a, a true guy, not a fake guy, you know, coming out with quotes um, and somewhat to the relation of, you know, I'm, I'm kind of here to get my players to make money, you know, which is true. Like that's, that's, that's no, that's a yeah, no man. BS answer. And I, yeah. and I love it. So he seems like he's in a really mesh well with the players. I like the fact that he gave the play calling uh, to the defensive coordinator instead of him calling it so he could really focus on the team because one yes. of the mantras we heard all all season was we want a leader of men. We want a guy who's going to yep. oversee the whole organization. So once he did that, uh, really for the, one of the final nails in the coffin. Obviously, the season has to come here, so he, yeah, he sure. could still be a failure. 
but from 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 the the, the point of of kind of looking into him to now, um, I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled with, uh, with the hire without getting into the X's and O's and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah. So. And we know, and so our topic of this week is going to be Sam. He inherited Sam Darnold as his quarterback here. Now, you know, we got the number two pick. Zach Wilson seems to be the hot choice there in most of the mock drafts you're looking at here for the Jets. Maybe Justin uh, Fields has an outside chance. You Maybe you know better than I do. Or Sam coming back, what you hear from the Jets, that could be complete lip service, which it probably is, because he wants to move Sam. So you're not going to diminish. <laughs> Joe Douglas is not yeah. going to diminish that asset. I hear people keep saying, look what he's saying. Look what he's saying. I don't, you can't really trust in that. At least I, I don't trust in Joe Douglas saying Sam could be here next year. Do you see that as a reality? But we're going to get into him here, Sam, and go through his last three years. But when it comes to mm -hmm. our squad, I don't know if the numbers tell the whole story with him, but do you see it as a reality, him coming back next year? No, yeah. And listen, Joe Douglas is not going to say, yeah, you know what? I, I had some faith in the guy. He really freaking sucks. Uh, we we got to get rid of him. Like, obviously, it's going to diminish his trade value. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, of course, we're going to speak positively about the guy. Like, you know, obviously, Jamal Adams was a jet for life just a year ago. Yeah. Um, so any, any, anything anything can happen. So um, I don't really see it as a, as a possibility. And I know a lot of people are talking about, oh, well, you know, you just trade down, you get some more picks. Um, and then if he doesn't work out, then you just get a quarterback next year. The biggest problem with that is one, tell me who that quarterback is, because I don't know who it is. Exactly. And then two, if you are the better team, which you have to be at this point, you're going to get free agents because the Jets have so much yeah. money in one of the best years to have money, considering the, the cap situation, all the other teams We're like, you know, obviously we have the second most cap space, but like only one of 16 teams can actually like sign people. So we have, the, yeah. we have a lot of money in a year that you need uh, that that money's going to go the farthest. You're not going to be at the number two pick next year. Yeah. So then you go to 10, 12, 15, whatever it is, and you might have to trade up a ton of ass, uh, assets to get back up to number two if that team is willing to do it, one. And two, if the quarterback's even there that you like. So there's so many variables in yeah. getting a quarterback. People say, oh, just 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 skip on the quarterback, the most yeah. important position of all of, in all of professional sports, and just pass it down the road. Now, I'm not saying Yeah, Joe, if, we could, if, it's, if it's that easy, like you said, at some point in the last 40 years, we would have got a quarterback, right? Like you're exactly like, people make it seem yeah, like you like, just oh. do it, you know. And then the excuse, any excuse will be, oh, well, look at Russell Wilson. He was drafted in this round. Look at Tom Brady. Okay, yeah, you yeah. know what? It's so easy to get a quarterback. Let your Douglas pick the fifth guy on their board and, instead of the first or second because you know quarterbacks get you, you find the second, third, and fifth, and sixth round. So you hear people say that Sam is still like. NFL people, like experts, quote unquote, say he's still salvageable. And you look at some of his numbers. I know you got to go beyond the numbers. That's why we have you here. Yeah. Numbers don't numbers don't tell the whole story. But Mike no. gave me some numbers that were startling when it came to his, his record as a starter, which is which is atrocious. Thirteen wins, thirteen to twenty-five. Second worst completion percentage. Uh, the worst TD mm -hmm. to interception ratio, which is mind-boggling. The worst QBR. So when I when you read those things, what I'm wondering is if he's as good a prospect as people thought he was coming into the league. Um, and even some people think he is now. Shouldn't he have, even with the circumstances we know with Gase and everything that he was dealt, shouldn't he have been better than that if he is yes. a good quarterback? Mm -hmm. Yes, for sure. Um, and obviously some of the, the, the team aspects did hurt him. But people like people like to put topics into like such like a black or white category where it's, oh, it's all Adam Gase in the team or it's none, um, which is obviously not true. But um, there are plenty of examples of, of him, you know, failing himself. But before I even get into that, um, the and this is like in my thinking of Sam Darnold and bringing him back to the Jets. Um, there are five. I think there's five quarterbacks at the top of my head in the, in the last like 20 years who have won their second contract. Those mm -hmm. quarterbacks being uh, like Peyton Manning, Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, 
and there's one other one I uh, I'm missing. Maybe Ben Roethlisberger if I didn't already say him. And what and what is the the common trend between all those quarterbacks? They're elite quarterbacks. So you need to if if you have a quarterback in their second contract, they're going to be they need to be elite. So if Donald plays decent this year, like you have to sign him with the idea of okay, he's elite. And can he prove that this year? I I, I severely doubt it. Some of the quarterbacks, there's there's been very few quarterbacks who have been statistically as bad as he's been and you know have bounced back. And again, exactly. I'm not a stats guy. I'm not a stats but, guy because I don't I don't know how PFF and all those people measure measure the numbers because I'm one. They know about schemes. They know about all this stuff. I, I don't know who, who's watching it. Like for the Minnesota Vikings, Sam Darnold was at his his rookie or second year. Throws a pass to Sharon Peak, hits him in the chest. Sharon Peak drops its interception. Is that a bad? Is that a bad? Does that negatively affect his grade because it's an interception or right. is it all on Sharon Peak? Like I don't know how they measure the numbers, so I don't put any stock into the, any of those numbers. Um, to be completely honest, but no, he's there's a couple of plays I can think of on the top of my head. Denver Broncos game, I talked about it a lot. There, there's a there's a two actually it's a three man route concept, but his first reads to the left, it's an isolated dig route um, to the boundary side. He's staring at the receiver, which I believe is Lawrence Cager, with literally a ten yard open window, which is massive in the NFL, absolutely massive. Play action, one, he's terrible at selling play action. It's terrible. Uh, he, at he that. Yeah, he's absolutely dreadful at it. He's staring at Cager for probably a good two seconds, decides to pull the ball down and try to escape, he gets sacked. And then you see everybody who just watches the broadcast and will say, oh, well, he had nobody open and look, now it's a sack. And that, that's what hurt his shoulder. But Joe, so, I know, I, but listening to you, I know that coming out of USC, you were a fan of Sam, yes. like I was, like all of us were. We were really, really Everyone. excited. And especially <laughs> after his last four games of his rookie season, we were all really, really high. That game against Houston, that game against, he went toe to toe with Rodgers against Green Bay. We were all really excited. And then his second year was up and down the mono, and and then third year he was the worst quarterback in the NFL. Mm -hmm. What what went wrong? Like, what do you think? You know, aside from Gase, what do you think happened to him? Uh, is it all Gase, or was it just he isn't it what we thought he was going to be? Yeah, it's it seems that his problems kind of kind of amplified. Like his, his the problems that were kind of hidden in his rookie year really amplified. Um, and just became bigger problems. Like his footwork was a problem at USC, yep. um, where you'd see him, you know, lack some heat on a ball or put a little ball a little bit too outside because he tends to step in a bucket and throw for an open, from an open position, um, or his hallway is not pointed, which is the midpoint of the of the back foot. You want to get that point where the ball is going. Obviously, you want to drive through your hips, rotating, you know, through your upper body to to create that whip like motion, throwing the ball. Like those things, he's not he was not um, doing in his in in his last year of college. But it would only affect him like one out of every 10 reps, let's say, where in the NFL now it seems to be, you know, um, like half his plays where it's really affecting him. Uh, he has a pro, he, he obviously his, his clock's a little bit screwed up too because of how much pressure he was getting in his first and second year. Um, that's undeniable. His offensive line his first two years um, was absolutely dreadful. This last year is a little bit better, but still that definitely affected him. Uh, he's not confident in himself. Uh, he's really bad in terms of seeing guys peel off um, under, you know, or peel off underneath of his route concepts where, you know, smash concepts, he's historically bad, bad with, with guys dropping intermediate um, and, and kind of uh, getting underneath the, the route concepts. So um, his problems have just not really, uh, they haven't subsided. They've, they've only grown um, yeah. in the last couple of years. So it's not like he didn't have those problems ever. They just never really went away. Um, and then that being uh, multiplied with Adam Gase um, only made them show up more because Adam right. Gase, you know, it, it would be it would be third and two, and he's running route concepts versus a blitz 15 yards down the field on third and two. Why? Oh if, if you have a, pre <laughs> a pressure look, you need an outlet pass. Why is oh. there guys running 
running running uh, crease concepts 30 yards or 25 yep. yards down the field. But like I said, it's it's Donald's problem too. The, the inaccuracy, him not seeing guys peel off into coverage, um, the you know not reading leverage, um, not reading things pre-snap. Like I, I think it's against the Buffalo Bills. Was that play uh, where Denzel Mims first game? Um, yeah. He was wide open to the left side of the field, mm -hmm. and Donald went there late. Based on the pre-snap formation, and this is nothing like oh Monday morning quarterbacking. Based on based on their leverage, they had a smash concept to the right side, um, and you had two guys or three guys outside and high. And as soon as as soon as the ball is snapped, if they continue to stay outside and high, he cannot throw that. Um, they stayed outside and high, and he got locked onto it for whatever reason. Didn't didn't skip on it, um, which again you know second versus half a second difference is huge in the NFL, obviously. Didn't skip on it, got to Denzel Mims late and didn't pull the trigger even when he should have there. So like that, that's a problem. Uh, there was a play against the Colts where uh, he had kind of, he, he needed, he had a, a check down or a uh, like a hot route to Barrios because there's a cat blitz from the, from the right side, which is the corner blitz. And you see Barrios before the snap, literally pointing to the blitzer, to Donald, like, hey, if he comes, I'm open. Like, I, you know, I'm adjusting my route to the flat because obviously they have, they have route adjustments to blitzes too. He points him out, Donald sees it, the corner blitzes. For whatever reason, Donald doesn't check it. Mm. And then he gets sacked when Barrios yeah. is wide open for and 10, 15 yards. Like, that stuff is not, like, listen, Adam Gase is a problem. But Adam Gase at the same time is not in his headset to tell him, tell right. him not to throw the wide open yeah. receivers. Right, right, right. right. So, and you would right. think at, at, at year three, he would already understand it. And one good thing yes. that's going to be great is that, yeah, this, he should have learned already and shown progression despite Gase. Understood. Mm -hmm. I completely agree with that. What's wonderful about this year is that we're getting a new offensive scheme. Mike LaFleur uh, is going to be our offensive coordinator. Um, this is coming from the Shanahan offense, which comes from the West Coast offense from Bill Walsh. A lot of the passing offense schemes are influenced by Walsh, but the schemes never stay the same. The coaches put add-ons. Um, like one of the add-ons from Shanahan was the wide out, the wide outside zone running scheme that Mike Shanahan implemented, which became paramount. To, and then building off the foundation of the running game, the play-action pass, which we know Sam is not good at selling, right, mm -hmm. um, is another important concept of this offense can you explain to our listeners overall the philosophy of this offense and why it's been so effective in the nfl over the years yeah and the problem too and before like with sam Darnold too with the play action the problem with the play action with sam Darnold is like 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 simplistically he he should be good at it because he, he's good at he's good at moving that's when he's, he's at his most natural so the problem is one he doesn't sell the play action and two the problem with some play actions the quarterbacks who aren't mentally there um all the way there um, is that it takes your eyes off the defense for that extra second. So you even have to be more decisive on play action than you have to be on a, on a, on a five-step drop, seven-step drop because you're not taking your eyes off the defense. But um, yeah, like you said, West Coast, it's a, it's a timing-based offense. It's a lot of flooding uh, zones and creating a lot of yak opportunities. So uh -huh. um, you need to get the ball out on time, uh, in rhythm, in order to create those that, that timing. We saw that with Sam a lot, like even like a slant flat concept, like simple things that he was not getting into the flat route quick enough, uh, creating that extra, you know, couple of yards of, of, of uh, separation or, you know, allowing the, the receiver to catch the ball and turn up field. So um, he's not going to create guys a lot of yak opportunity because he's not um, as decisive and quick triggered as he should be for this offense. And like you said, um, the wide zone, inside zone, it's, it's, it's sometimes, you know, with, with the 49ers, they run a little bit more wide zone. The Packers with, with LaFleur's brother, he runs a little bit more inside zone, at, at least than, than the 49ers did. So it's going to be a mix of inside, mid zone, wide zone, um, depending on, you know, how they feel comfortable. They'll, they'll run that stuff and obviously they'll, they'll, they'll do what their players are more comfortable with. Um, but the, that system, 
like I said, you have guys who can get yak. It's important to have those guys look at what they had with the 49ers with with uh, with Debo Samuel and Kittle. Um, a lot of 12 personnel, so it's a lot of heavier sets. You're not going to see as much 11, so you really do need two tight ends. You need a good fullback. Uh, you need some versatile yeah. running backs. You don't really need one big guy to do anything like that. But uh, like you said, West Coast, rhythm-based, a lot of yak opportunities, a lot of play action, deep shots um, off of that because a lot, when, you know, obviously when you're running a lot and the running game is successful, you're running an offensive system in terms of passing that's flooding these short to intermediate zones. People are start creeping up. The Shanahan system now, once they start creeping up, play action, bite them, gotcha. and then they, gotcha. they take moon shots over the top. And another thing that they do too with that is they, they build, they're, they're not an overly complex system in terms of with Adam Gase. He had, and I, you know, I, again, I don't know how much you've watched my stuff lately. We, uh, I watched a lot of it with Marcus Coleman, who played DB in the NFL yep. for, for 11 years. And uh, mm-hmm. we, we liked, there was concepts that we liked of Gase, but the problem with Gase is he almost outsmarted himself where he ran too many different concepts at times. Even though on broadcast, might have not, not have looked like that. But yeah. the thing that Shanahan, that makes Shanahan's system really successful is they build off of, off of that. So they, they might take a three yard gain, a three yard gain, a three yard gain, and think and make you think that you've won until they build another concept off of that, and then you're looking, you know, I don't know, like perfect, oh crap, whatever. I'm not gonna yeah. try to drop any <laughs> yeah. f bombs, but yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Um, and and now now there's a receiver streaking ten yards behind the, the safety, whether it be yeah. you know a bender route or, or whatever it may be, or in a spot, you know, just it'd be simplistic where a, a curl is now a stutter go. Like they they build off of concepts and make you make you feel comfortable and until they crush you. So a lot of yak, a lot of twelve personnel. Uh, rhythm based again you need a, you need a smart quarterback a play action quarterback you want a mobile quarterback the thing I'm really excited with with whoever the Jets get a quarterback assuming it's not going to be Sam Donald is if the guy's a little bit more mobile um, and Donald's even more mobile than they've had with, with Garoppolo and all these guys in, 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 in the past um, is now they're going to be able to even incorporate some RPOs and read options to that system which is going to be really exciting because I haven't really seen the Shanahan system operate with that uh, minus with what or maybe I think RG three uh, was it 2010 2011 okay, right? yeah. was that was that those years? Yeah. Um, so yeah, the system it's that, that's that's it really really simply um, you know off the top of my head, but yeah, it's an exciting system. Uh, they they definitely need some pieces uh, to bring in to to uh, to fit it well. Yeah, that's what I want to ask I you. We when we too. get into when we get into the running back position, which obviously for San Francisco it seems like they just had interchangeable guys. They pop in and would have success. Mm-hmm. When it comes to us last year at the end of the year, Ty Johnson had a little bit of success. The Raider game, he was decent. The Patriot game, he wasn't that bad. At the end of the season, the the Rams game, he had a lot of catches, big catches in that game. You didn't get to see him play too much. P Ryan was kind of a little bit of a disappointment. I know he was banged up too. Mm-hmm. Do you think those two guys? Um, along with some other kind of middle of the pack dudes will be enough. Are you thinking the draft they're going to grab someone? Are you a proponent of grabbing a running back high in the draft this year for the Jets? Uh, no. Run, running back to me is the most, is, is the least important position in the NFL. Um, as you can see, you know, like Le'Veon Bell, uh, listen, like great player. When he was coming here, was I excited about him because, you know, the Jets don't ever have superstars? Uh, yes, but at the same time, like thinking about it logically, you, you, a great running back kind of bad offensive line is not a good running back. Like the offensive right. line is is the bread. Like that, that's what needs to work. So you need a running back who's good enough, you know, who's decisive enough, who can set up holes, you know, set up his hats. You know, if if, if he if if he's taking a wide angle to the outside and he sees an inside hole, you know, maybe not hit that inside hole. Obviously, based on his reads, until he sets those guys up a little bit more outside. So you need a guy who's smart, who's patient, but at the same time can hit a hole when he knows he has to. So. Um, you've seen a lot of their running backs uh, over, over the years. They don't really have that one high priority guy. Yeah. Uh, the running back position, especially in a draft like that, to me, like personally, 
that's a position you address when like you you need that guy to like get over the hump to getting to a Super Bowl with a team who needs corners, outside linebackers, defensive ends, uh, you know, uh, you know, offensive line receivers. You don't grab a running back high. I severely doubt they would do that unless it's like listen. At 34, they're sitting there, and like Etan is there, and like on 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 hit on the board, he's an A, and the other guys are at a B. Okay, like we get it. He's a whole position group, a grade right. higher than other guys. Like grab yeah. him. But if there's if there's close to equal, like let's say uh, wh- whoever uh, you want to say, Arusa uh, Kormo is there at 34. I, I don't know what's on. I'm random name. Um, is there at 34, and he's an A minus, and he can's an A. Uh, you're taking a linebacker, even though it's a yeah. it's, you know that's not a premium position either, but it's more important, especially for the solid system, um, which I've spoken which I've spoken about before, which I plan to do is a little bit more on. Um, a lot of people like to say about that system, like I, I think it's too generic at this point, where people always say like the stock answer is, oh well, the four three versus three four, oh it doesn't really matter. People are in nickel, yeah, but are they two gapping? Are they are they penetrating? You know, how much do they run their base? And to, for me, from what I found from his system. From solid system is they like to uh, run base personnel versus um, versus looks where other teams were running nickels. So the linebackers covering um, is very very important. You need linebackers in the system because versus eleven personnel, a lot of teams will run nickel like all the time. Yeah. And in solid system, he'll keep his linebackers on the field. Um, so that's a so, really important position for the Jets. So let's but I, let's hope. I ramble. Let's hope. Let's hope CJ. <laughs> let's hope CJ Mosley is all healthy next year. <laughs> finally, yeah, plays, well, finally plays his uh, first yeah, full game. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. So just yeah. Well, back. one of the last one of the last one of the last plays he made that was healthy. He he stopped like a what was it, like a forty five yard uh, skinny post to John Brown. You know, yeah. against the Bills, uh-huh. like he could do it. So uh-huh. oh, like, he looked yeah. great. Oh, he was, but the he other was Lawrence, guys, man, he was like, Lawrence Taylor for two quarters there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're not we're yeah, not we loaded at linebacker, linebacker right now, and he was a free agent too, so we got to figure that out. We have a lot yeah, to figure yeah. out. As you just mentioned, you ran through the laundry list. Running back is one of the needs, but like you said, insofar as the value chart in the NFL, it's not what it used to be. It's not 1985 anymore. You know, it's a whole different era now. Yeah, but if now let's just say Joe Sam ends up being our quarterback next year. Let's just say it happens, mm-hmm. right? Given the weaknesses and the strengths that you know of Sam over the past few years. Um, do you think that Sam would be a decent fit in this offense? And do you think how much, how much better do you think if he is, than he would be from last year? Um, like I said, I don't, I don't think he's the, it's, it's hard because if I don't think he's a good quarterback, what system does he really fit well in? You know? Um, right, right. Do I think he will be, do I think he will be better? Because they're better coaches, yes, you know, with better personnel, like it's it's inevitable this year versus last year, just because the personnel the Jets will have, he will be better. Um, but do I think he's good enough to get us over the hump to that Super Bowl on a second contract? You're inevitably going to have to sign him to. Um, no, I don't. It, it, could it happen? Yes, is that a possibility? Sure, but is it like a two percent chance? Um, that's what I think it is. Um, to be completely honest, that he's good enough to win a Super Bowl. Like, listen, people say, oh, well, he could be this or he could be that. Listen, if he turns into Kirk Cousins or Jimmy Garoppolo, is that good enough in the NFL? To me, it's not. Like, you need to shoot for a top 10 quarterback, and those guys aren't that. Um, but yeah, like, he, again, he needs to be decisive. He needs to be accurate. He needs to be able to place balls on the proper shoulder to get guys to be able to catch the ball and turn up field instead of putting on their back shoulder. They're going to have to flip their body around and then they have to completely stop the momentum. So he doesn't have the accurate, the, the short to intermediate accurate, uh, accuracy for it. He doesn't have the quick uh, decision making to, to do it. Um, he's not very, like I said, he's not decisive. The play action cells are not good. Um, his taking his eyes off of the off of the defense on play action is also not a good thing because it's a guy who doesn't trust his eyes. He doesn't really know what he's looking at. So now you're asking him to, to turn around and not face him for the first second of the play when pl- plays are really only like three seconds long in the NFL. So now he's to be even yeah. more quick. So does he fit? 
um, I guess a little bit, I guess a little bit better because I think he's going to run a little bit more play action and that first what Gase did fits him a little bit better guys. I did speak about the play, the play action weaknesses in his game. Um, but overall you want to get him on the move because he's more comfortable. You're not going to see him, um, you know, with a bad footwork, stepping in the bucket, all of that stuff. So if there's anything that Donald is good at, it's, it's throwing on the move, um, just from, in terms of mechanics. So he's a little bit better of a fit in it, but still, I, it, it, again, if he's a bad quarterback, what does he fit in? Yeah. Um, and at this point, I, I, I think at this point, you know, regardless of the Sam, I don't know if you guys are Sam defenders, whatever. Uh, no, 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 he's not no, no. quarterback. You know? That's so. what I want to ask you. So let me ask you. So Stafford, Goff, Wentz, these guys got moved. There's probably in the next month, there could be more movement with quarterbacks than we've seen maybe in the last, I don't know, 20 years or maybe our whole life, you know, all these guys, yeah, all the, a lot yeah. of different quarterbacks could end up different places. And Sam is one of those guys you hear bandied about, might get traded for. Where do you kind of see? I know you don't think he's the best. Where do you see his value right now? Do you see a team giving up a late first or a second to get him? Because to me, when I heard a first round pick for Sam personally, that seemed like a little much. That's what I felt personally. Some of my Jet fans friends disagree with me, but I didn't see how that's possible because you mentioned this earlier. In the history of the NFL, no one's ever been the lowest ranked QB and got on and been successful. It doesn't happen. Like that career that doesn't. Ha- I know, and stats don't matter. I understand. Like you said, they're not the biggest thing, but yeah, he's yeah, been yeah. so bad that would matter. be that would be a historic turnaround. So where do you see? I his think value? the only. I think the only guy who's ever really like close like to, to doing that is Alex Smith. If you, right. if you look at the numbers, yeah. right. But, if you had to choose right now, okay, Sam Darnold is prime Alex Smith. Are we keeping Sam Darnold? Like, can we win a Super Bowl with Alex Smith? Like, yeah. sh- like sure, I guess. And he was a lot less mistake prone, for sure, Alex Smith. Even when he wasn't yeah, that exactly. great. Yeah, so he was still, exactly. he probably, I, bet you his, I don't know his QB rating off the top of my head, but that, that is a good turnaround. He's a good example. But he's always he's pretty heady. Where Sam, it seems like the mistakes from college kind of followed him here into the pros, and he never improved on those mistakes. So do you see his value being maybe a second rounder? Mm-hmm. Do you think a team will maybe take a chance on him? Yeah, I, I think just and again, I'm, it's, you know, that's like a question for Adam Schefter. Obviously, you're asking it for for a reason. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's going to be a second and a, and a fifth, like what we've heard. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. A lot of the offseason, a, a first. If it's like the Saints, maybe they would give us their pick. I don't know what pick they are. Probably like what, like 26, 27. Like if it was like okay, your first round pick uh, for the you know the Saints first round pick, and we give up like a, a fourth, a fifth, a sixth. Like okay, I, I get that. But I think that's right around the the value of him is is the second round pick. Okay. Um, okay. Would I be ecstatic as a Colts fan or not? Well, no, the Colts just got Wentz. But as a Saints fan watching his film and then trading a second round pick for him or a first round pick, uh, no, not at all. But just <laughs> just based on his age and what he was at college, you know, the number the number three overall pick, um, in, in the NFL draft, uh, twenty three years old, you know, a controllable contract for for a year. So I get the risk that teams are that, that some teams are going to have to take because those teams are in a position where it's okay. It's not it's not Sam Donald versus Zach Wilson. It's not Sam Donald versus Trey Lance. It's not Sam Donald versus Justin Fields. It's Sam Donald versus maybe Mac Jones, maybe Kyle Trask. So yeah, yeah, yeah. right. Know, at that point, right, right. It, it's a different conversation, you yeah, know. True. So um, yeah, it's 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 a risk I wouldn't be willing to take necessarily if I was them. Uh, I might I probably want to take the young guy, but yeah, I, I can see the value because of the age um, well, and the and the ceiling he had. Well, one thing we understand, you know, with the NFL, narratives drive up value and hype. And, you know, Sam was a top prospect. His name Mm -hmm. still is something that's attractive to certain coaches. And they think, hey, we can be able to work on this guy. I mean, you look at a guy like Christian Hackenberg, his freshman season did decent. And then the rest, he was trash. And he still people still were like, who is this guy Hackenberg? It could we work with him? He was the worst ever. I look at a guy like Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence won a national championship his his senior season, right? Didn't get back freshman to winning season. that, but his or freshman season, excuse me. Yeah. 
but but his his value his name his hype was just unbelievable so then this year you get a guy like zach wilson we just did a show on it uh with a beat, beat writer last week on zach wilson mm -hmm. zach wilson did not have the pedigree that uh um trevor lawrence or uh, justin fields had but he's a guy who came in i understand the whole cupcake schedule and things like that but when you look at zach wilson when you look at the skills that this young man his the way he throws the ball, the way he executes. I've just asked you about Sam Darnold and the LaFleur offense. Do you think after looking at some film with Zach, and I don't know how much study you've done, does he seem like he would be a good fit in this offense? He has said the, the this Shanahan offense is the type of offense he would like to play in. Yeah, um, I, I definitely have a lot of like rough notes on him. I gotta, I gotta kind of round it up to make a prettier list, but uh, I, I probably have about nine hours worth of show to do on him. Uh, film making done. <laughs> um, I have like 140 plays already clipped of him, but I plan on doing so. Yeah, I have plenty. Um, but yeah, and a lot of people talk about like the cupcake schedule. The thing about it is like, I, I think people again, too black or white, like, you know, uh, what's a cupcake schedule with a cupcake roster that you're playing with, you know? Um, it's not it's not like Justin Fields of Ohio State was playing North Alabama or whatever teams he was playing. Like he was still playing with BYU's team around him. So um, I, I get that argument, but he was still, it's not like he's playing with an all-star team. Like, like it's JV. Um, he was he was the all-star team himself. You know, he had some good receivers and things like that. But yeah, I, I like Zach Wilson a lot. Um, watching his film, um, I was confused, to be completely honest, about why he didn't have more hype in 2019. I was watching the 2019 film. I know the stats weren't as good or whatever, but I, watched, I was watching him just like, you know, his ability to throw on the run, his quick trigger, his, his ability to throw off platform, his ability to throw at different arm angles. Like that was all there and it, he progressed in 2020, but I didn't know why he wasn't on the radar in 2019, to be completely honest. Um, I don't get paid full time for this. I think if I was and I was watching Zach Wilson, I, he would have been a little more hyped up, at least for me in 2019. Um, but yeah, he's, you know, again, um, people have said, oh, there's never been a good quarterback to come from BYU. And it's, it's the same thing with Ohio State. Well, there's never been a good quarterback to come from Ohio State. Okay, well, Drew Brees came from Purdue. You know, Tom Brady came from Michigan. Steve Young you know, came from Texas. BYU. Yeah, Texas. Uh, yeah, oh, okay. Well, there you go. That, that's yeah. a better example to see than even yeah. one of those yeah, guys. He's going to be Steve Young. <laughs> You know, you Texas Tech for Mahomes. Like, tell me how many quarterbacks come out yeah. of those schools. So I, Absolutely. I hate those Very arguments. good. Very good. Absolutely. I, I, yeah, I, I hate I hate those arguments. I, I really do because, you know, quarterback's really hard to, to find, obviously. So you can't it, – it's just too simplistic. But, yeah, uh, he is very, very clearly for me my number two quarterback um, over Justin Fields. I have a lot of problems with Justin Fields' game, oh. um, which I'll get into. In and wow. Yeah. I, I, oh, man. So, I, wish, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> hey, if you want – I can always come back and whatever. Yeah. Uh, or whatever. For weeks, but – I don't have notes prepared. I don't have no. I don't have anything. Like I said, I just moved into a new house. But um, yeah, there's a lot of problems like like uh, with with Fields that I could see him like his ceiling ridiculously high. His floor to me is pretty low though. Like it, it's okay. concerning uh, some of the things. But with Zach Wilson, um, yeah, the 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 accuracy um, in general deep um, is really good. Again, the the pocket movement, the pocket awareness. Uh, the way he keeps his base really wide while he's going through his transitional footwork, which is just his footwork through um, read to read, which obviously you want to flip, you want to be ready, but it's really wide. And when it's when it's wide and not uh, shallow, you're able to quickly trigger and, and drive through and get your hips through when you're, when you're more uh, narrow stance. It takes a little bit longer for your feet to load up and step through the throw to rotate your hips, like little things like that. I like that he does. 
um, his confidence, the, the, the kind of the swag he has um, yeah. off the top of my head, the ability to throw different arm angles, like I said, on off platform, like off platform throws is really important in the NFL because windows are open for a split second. Mm -hmm. And if you, if you, if you got to rehitch and really set to throw a ball at a different, um, to get it through a window versus Zach Wilson, you could throw a ball almost like twisted backwards. He just gets it there. Like he, he has a really good ability to, to create that whip like motion from, from his hips, which is really all you need. And you just got to do it properly with your footwork, whether it be on the run, you know, driving that lead foot um, vertical, you know, um, allowing yourself to, to kind of balance. Like there's a lot of little things that will break down in the future that he does well. Um, there are obviously negatives with his game. You know, his footwork from under center is not good. It gets, it gets wonky. Um, his first step after he takes a snap does not cover enough ground, which is not good. Um, his footwork is, in, is, in, is inconsistent when he's taking dropbacks. It's, it's not always behind him and under him. Um, he, can, he can kind of float uh, left or right, which obviously in the NFL, you know, one of like the day one things you do is the offensive line blocks around a garbage can for what the set point is supposed to be on that play. And if he's all over the place, you know, he's going to take sacks because the, off yep. the offensive line is expecting him to be in certain places. So that can improve. Um, his throwing mechanics from his lower body can improve at certain times. He has a tendency to, uh, with your back foot, when you're rotating through, you, you want to rotate forward, um, allowing your hips to come through. And he kind of has a tendency to, to kind of throw that foot inwards and get himself off balance uh, with his base, um, which can lead to some some bad throws. Um, some Sometimes with his deep ball, I think it's at a little bit too low of a trajectory um, for me. Uh, there was the one play, I, I forget, it was like when everybody kind of came on to, to Zach Wilson and, and he threw a ball, I'm like, oh my God, great play. Like that was a touchdown. I went on Twitter, I'm like, oh, sorry guys, like I'm not here to be an ass. But in the NFL, that's probably an interception. Like you got it. The, the thing about it is, like, don't just watch the play and see the success of it and say, okay, that's successful. Uh, successful play. That means it's a good play. That's not always necessarily true. Like you got to go through the process and yeah. what could have happened in the NFL. Uh, like there was a play, like you know, uh, that I was talking about with uh, Ashton Davis. We actually played a ball perfectly. He got beat for a touchdown. But I actually really like the progress, the, the process of the play, and gave him a positive for a play he was beat on. So. Um, yeah, I, there's a there's a lot to like with Zach Wilson. There's there's some negatives too. You know, like yeah. like I spoke about with the feet. There's the the, the fact that uh, at times he's a little bit too risk adverse for me. Where he might throw a pick that that might get picked off in the NFL. Uh, there's some times where he gets a little bit too fancy. There's some hospital balls he he throws where he might not see a guy peeling off or a robber covered whatever it may be. Yeah, and he'll get his guys killed. Um, right. But you know, there's like there's a long list. But overall, uh, he is very, very clearly my number two quarterback. There you go. That's that's what I was going to ask you. So I'll skip right to my next question. It has to do with Sam. Before we ask you one more and get the hell out of here, in five years, yeah, yeah. If, if if Joe Blue had to make a prediction, okay, five years from now, where do you see Sam? He's a backup somewhere. Does he does he resurrect his career and just make every Jet fan's nightmare come true? What do you see if you had to put your money on it five years from now? What do you see Sam Darnold's career? I would probably put my money on stuff. That's why I delete my DraftKings as soon as the football season's <laughs> over. So I'll be sitting on it toilet like, oh yeah, the Nets will beat the Grizzlies. Like, who cares? Uh, yeah, so it's so hard, especially you're talking about like, there's so many moving parts. Like there might be like 15 new starting quarterbacks for new teams yeah. this year. So it's like always really hard to predict. If I had to put like money on, I would say as a backup. Um, mm -hmm. I, I think I think he might have like a little bit, maybe like a resurgence with some teams, but I, I think there's going to be, I think teams are going to realize that he's not, um, what they need to get over the hump. Um, so, yeah, like a lot. Of, it depends on a lot of things. So, would you package? Would you package him with three firsts, Quinn and Williams, uh, for uh, for for Watson? <laughs> Real quick, we just got to hear that. Yeah, what's Man. your ceiling on that? What's the highest you would go, Joe? Because there's a lot bandied about, and as you know, when you mentioned here. That game-changing, yeah. franchise-changing quarterback. Oh, they don't grow Watson, on trees. Watson's alpha. We all know that's. Oh, that's that upper, upper, be. upper. It's got to be the upper top Listen, of the pyramid. 
Yeah, so there's never been a quarterback traded like, like him in history. Never. Um, now, and I ask this question when I talk about Watson a lot with people, like, and I can you know ask you guys this: if if there was an NFL like redraft, like a fantasy draft of the NFL, every every franchise is starting their 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 entire team over again. The number one pick is Patrick Mahomes. Who's the number two pick? Is it, Watson. Is it Deshaun Watson? Yeah, it's Watson. Watson. Yeah, it is. So you're talking about the the number two most valuable asset in the entire NFL. Right. So, and and I love, love Quentin Williams. Like, I've done shows, I gushed over Quentin Williams. The guy is a savage. Like, he's going to be a oh, top a three defensive tackle. He, he's yeah, probably already him. top five. Like, he is an absolute savage. Three first round picks in Quentin Williams. Um, I, I, oh, geez, that's that's really hard. If it was like two in Quinn Williams, I would do it, but three and Quinn Williams, who is funny, like you know, beginning part of mid uh, or the beginning part of last season, people are like, Oh, trade him for a second round pick. Like, you guys are nuts, you guys yeah. are nice. absolutely crazy. Yeah. yeah, um, I think Quinn Williams himself is worth, is worth two first round draft picks. I really yeah. am that high on the guy. Now, yeah. you're talking about the number two pick, which is itself depending on where you're going to trade down to, could be worth easily two or three first round picks. Yeah, you're yeah, talking yeah, about yeah. like seven first round picks for the guy, like yeah. realistic, like mid round yeah, yeah. picks. Uh, so that's too much for me. But in terms of taking Quinn Williams out of it, because I, I love that guy, um, I, I've always said like I'm right around the area of like three first round draft picks and like a mid round pick. But okay. if, if, if it was a difference, like, okay, listen, you know, you put it into a trade machine and it's three first round picks and, and, a, and a fourth, and it says no. If I just had to go four first round picks, am I doing it for Deshaun Frickin Watson? Yes, I am. All right. Um, yeah, so Joji has been a pleasure, dude. It's great talking to you. Someone who's reasonable, who takes context into his thought process when he talks about sports. Doesn't happen anymore. Doesn't happen in the world as a whole that much anymore. It's nice to hear oh, someone. Yeah. A refreshing take, man. It was great to talk to you. Um, thank you very much for joining us with your insight. If anyone wants to support you, follow you, and be involved in anything, Joe Blewett, where can they do that? Joe RB31 on Twitter. Uh, Blewett Splits on YouTube. That's that's the easiest thing. That's what I'm talking about. Joe, that was awesome. Yeah, yeah. Appreciate it, guys. The situation uh, kind of got heavy on me. Welcome back. We hope you enjoyed that breakdown there with Joe Blewett. He was really, really good. Mike. I didn't know what his opinion was going to be about uh, on Sam. You know, I've seen some of his videos, and in his videos, he's honest. You know, when I when I watched him, that Sam hasn't been the best. But you never know. He might have come on and said Sam maybe has a chance in the future. Maybe he will be the quarterback in 2021. Not what Joe Blewett felt. <laughs> not what, yeah, not what uh, Joe was thinking at all, right? I thought Joe, the <laughs> most damning thing that Joe said regarding uh, Sam was that when we asked him, do you think that Sam is a good fit in the – Mike LaFleur offense, and he said that he doesn't think Sam would be a fit in any real offense because he just doesn't think he's going to be a good quarterback. And when he said that, yeah. I just was like, he said, yeah, he'll probably improve, but that's you know, a good and point. That's a that's, good point. That I is mean, what he said. I mean, and it's like a logical thing where if he don't, th if he doesn't think he's that good of a quarterback, which Joe doesn't for many reasons, which he explained, Mike. Uh, then what what systems is he going to be in that he's going to find success? Probably none. And when I asked him, you know, where do you see him in five years? More than likely, if Sam is still in the league, he's probably going to be a backup is what Joe felt. I just wanted to see yep. what he thought about that. There's, yeah. still some, there's still pundits out there. Mike, you hear him. Our mm. friends who are in the Sam Darnold camp send us the links, Mike, like our buddy Chris, that say, hey, look, man, this guy still thinks Sam can do it. This guy still thinks Sam can do it. And there's a and team out there, and it's not outside the realm of possibility, Mike, that like we asked Joe, maybe a team gives up a second, to have Sam be a young backup to a vet, sit for a year, come in the year after, I don't know. But me, you, I think a lot of Jet fans, I think we've seen enough that I don't even think you can just use Adam Gase as the excuse right. for how he's played. 
Right. And right. look, look, here, here, here is the way it is. You know, recently, Greeny on the Get Up said that pray, wishing that Sam, the Jets hold on to Sam and trade the number two pick. And his reasoning was that Mel Kuyper Jr. had Trevor Lawrence. Okay. He said, he said um, that Trevor Lawrence and Joe Burrow and Herbert and all these quarterbacks from last year are all better than Zach Wilson. And that wow. Zach Wilson is a 50-50 toss-up. And that Sam is a 50-50 toss-up. So just keep Sam and build around him. And wow. I see people like Greeny. I see people like Mel Kuyper, okay? I see a lot of these, like, uh, big narrative guys that uh, say, oh, this guy is going to be great just because... You know, one guy had a great game their freshman or sophomore season, and then now they're all over the radar instead of actually breaking down film. And you heard Chris Sims come on and straight up say, Zach Wilson is not just the best quarterback in this draft, but he is ahead, ahead by a by a margin over Trevor yeah. Lawrence. And guess what? Chris Sims in 2018 said Lamar Jackson was the best quarterback in that draft and people laughed at him and, you know what he and he said? does it and he looks at the the thing is he's a quarterback and his dad we know what is that he looks at these dudes like it's not about how many games like oh you know they went and beat uh uh, uh lsu and blah 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 he like sits there and watches the plays and he's like yo this dude zach wilson every time he throws the ball it's the same th throwing motion exactly yeah. the yeah, same yeah, yeah. five ten yep. fifteen twenty yards out it's the same thing he's like the way he snaps the ball, the way he moves, the way, you know what I'm saying? Like he is a quarterback, but Mel Kiber, oh, 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 you know, you know, you know what? Stay with your narratives. And you know, and the fact is with Mel Kiper, he got it wrong. Keith, this, he is trying to save face because he screwed up with Darnold. Yeah. We went through this. We would do this. We, we, yeah, and I don't want to get it. I'm and sorry. And you know what, people? Mike, Mike, I'm not. I'm not. I'm, that's, I'm not trying to say you're you're belaboring the point. I, I, what I say is I agree. And we've mentioned with Mel Kiper and other people sometimes after the fact trying to control that narrative because they look like an idiot because he thought Sam Darnold was going to be such a good quarterback a few years ago yeah. doesn't want to let go of that notion. Back in 2018, Chris Sims labeled the top three quarterbacks as Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen. Baker Mayfield said there was a sizable wow. he said there was a sizable gap between those guys and Sam Darnold and oh everybody said he was crazy then you look back in retrospect Chris Sims was on point now I'm not saying that means John uh, Zach right. Wilson is better than Trevor Lawrence but I'm saying if wow. you guys take your phones out or you're on you're at work right now listening to this and you go ahead and slap a Google in he's not the only person mm. saying that so, you yep. know, when you get into that type of scenario, now we all know Trevor Lawrence is going to get drafted first. I have no right, doubt right. about that. We know what, that. We, what, what's going to happen here with the Jets at the number two pick is having Sam, right, who we haven't wavered from until this week when Joe Douglas finally said, okay, maybe, you know, well, I, I'm not that not maybe, you knew he was taking calls, but he publicly said, we'll take the calls if someone sends them in, um, which is a different stance than they've had previously. But it kind of gives the Jets, it puts the Jets in a really good position because they have Sam now, a 23-year-old quarterback with a little bit of value left and right. with some people think could maybe be salvaged and they have a chance to draft Zach Wilson. So the Jets, they kind of can't go wrong either way uh, right. with, with the situation they're in now. But it was a little bit of a different take this week on Sam from Joe Douglas 
Mike, at least saying publicly, I don't know what your thoughts were. We haven't really talked about it. Him actually coming out publicly. I don't know if it matters to you one way or the other. Maybe it's the same difference either way. But why do you think he chose now to be the time that he's coming out and saying, hey, if they take calls, we'll listen, when previously he really wouldn't comment on Sam when so far as trades come. I think he's just being real. Look, he dodged the whole Deshaun Watson type question. I mean, what is he going to say, right? But when it came to Sam, he said, look, if people are going to call, I'm going to listen. And that's just a, hey, if you want them, let us know. And by the way, uh, Watson has told the Texans he don't want to play for them anymore. And guess what? The Texans aren't taking calls. When a, when a team believes in the quarterback, they don't take calls. Yeah. So the Jets are taking calls. That should yeah. tell you enough right there that Sam isn't the guy. We all know that he's not. Yeah. And you know what? The biggest, the biggest thing for me personally was what Joe Douglas did last year. We talked about it. He didn't do anything to support his young sure. quarterback sure. in free agency. That says a lot. That says a lot. And yeah. that tells me that he let him sink or swim and he sank. And now he's gonna, I, I, I definitely think they're gonna move on. Yeah, another big note in the world of the Jets this week, guys. We released Henry Anderson, Mike. We freed up, I think it's about eight and a half million dollars in cap space. Yes, we did. Uh, Henry Anderson, a couple years ago, I think it was 2018, was pretty decent. Last couple years, I think he kind of was underwhelming. Not that bad of a player, takes up space, but didn't really get that many pressures on the quarterback. And defensive line, even though we might not have a lot of names that people know out there, if you're not a Jet fan, defensive line is not not pass rushing wise when it comes to run stopping and overall um, depth we're not that bad on defensive line right um, no, you know we, can, we need an edge of course we need an edge rusher but that's and that's a position we can afford to maybe free up that space and lose henry anderson and that of course came to the that of course brings us to the situation where right when that happened marcus may's agent goes ahead and tweets directly at that in response to uh, i don't remember who put the initial tweet out of the money getting free it was uh from field yates from espn there you go there you go and marcus may's agent tweeted out at the jets and to the universe you know the jets are messing up again took some shots at the jets there um said why aren't they paying their best player you know the team captain this that and a third now marcus may is not a guy mike and we, we went on here last week and you know i was upset about jamal adams and the way he handled things on his way out, Marcus May hasn't done that or shown any type of evidence of being that type of player previously, but neither did Jamal Adams. I don't think this is going to become that type of situation because the Jets can franchise tag Marcus May and it'll just be what it'll be, right? He'll make $11 million and we'll move on with our life. And also once they franchise tag Marcus May, and I think that's probably going to be the route they take. Once yeah. they do that, they have then to July 15th to sign him to a long-term contract. So it gives, them, right. it gives them more time if they do that to negotiate, which is in his client's best interest. So right. what I don't understand is this. Now, Joe Douglas got asked about this, Mike, and he kind of, this he's a professional at deflecting these comments. He, he didn't say a single negative thing about Marcus May. Didn't say a single negative thing about his agent. Didn't react like you and me when we, we were like, what is this guy doing? He was total professional about it, um, which is how he should be. But on the flip side, why would his agent think this is helpful? Like, you know what I mean? It's 2021. I understand things are done differently now, and a lot of stuff is just aired out publicly. It's a whole different world, Mike, than it used to be. Right. But do you see a way, do you see an angle or any type of way this is going to help? Marcus May. This is just another player taking a shot at the Jets. Now, when he, I know he was elected team captain, and that means a lot. 
And, you know, to say he's the best player on the team or on the defense, I mean, that's not, Quentin Williams is the best player on the defense. Let's not, let's not be ridiculous. I mean, can we be real? He missed his, for almost his rookie year, or in 2018, he missed because of injury. In 2019, he was hurt in the beginning, but then he yeah. came back, played pretty well. Uh, I, we love and no, Marcus and Mike, May. And Mike, hold on, Mark, and Marcus Mike was great last year. Don't get me wrong. He got yeah. put into, and he, yeah. last year was his best year. Yeah. And he was good the years before that, too. He's always been a yeah. good player. Yeah. But let's not act like he's just ridiculously elite. Last year, he flat. If he's going to play like he did last year, the rest of his career, then you're talking about a guy who's like borderline Pro Bowl level, right? Right. So, I right. mean, that, then that's legit. Then you make $10 million a year. I don't mind that. But you only did that for one year. I understand that's the year you're coming off. But the fact that the, the fact that the Jets can just franchise tag him for this year, see if he does it again. Right. Yeah. That's that's you know? how I look at it. He's 28 years old. Look, he's in the prime of his career right now. I mean, he's probably on the back half of of where he's going to be as far as the value in the league. So you franchise him. Or, and the thing is, right now, you want to be as flexible as you can be. You want to know uh, who you're going to sign in free agency, You know what your team is going to end up looking like. So if you want to then restructure or sign him to long term and then move around the money, you have those options. So yeah. that's the move you do as a GM. You, know, you don't know what's coming up. And I'll tell you right sure. now, the Jets have a very great opportunity here because uh, to next week, is going to be a bloodbath okay oh. this this show is going to be fire next week because there are going to be Woo. a lot of players cut free agent a lot preview. of players cut free, free, free agent preview it's going to be wild dude you're going to be there i heard there are going to be players cut that we don't even know of right now that teams are thinking of cutting sure, because sure. they got to get under the cap and under the jets the are uniquely positioned to grab these players and here's the thing nick yeah when they when they are cut we, you could sign them. Like right now, of course. Uh, right now, uh, Henry Anderson can sign whatever, whatever team he wants. We don't have to wait to the start of free agency. For no, that. of course not. That's a, so, that's a big, that's a big a thing too. It's a good factor yeah. that you just pointed right. out, Mike, because you're right. Everything's going to be coming so fast and furious next week. And as you pointed out, there's things that we don't even know that could be even a potential. Like a, a normal fan of their team would never even think the names would pop up, and all of a sudden, sounds like next week. A lot of fans might be like, wait a minute, how, yeah. how is You're right. this guy, you know what I mean? Yeah. To your point, because anybody can sign for anything now. Yeah. And listen to this, guys. The Vikings, the Lions, the Bears, Packers, Falcons, Chiefs, Rams, Eagles, and the Saints are all over the cap. Over the cap, So the Saints, Saints are at 61 million, Eagles are at 43 million, the Rams are at 35. Ooh. You know, and then the rest of the teams, you know, go, it goes down from there. The Vikings uh, are at four million. Then I should say it goes up there to the Saints at sixty-one. Can I predict? Can I predict one? Zach Ertz will be cut. You think so? Yes, sir. Yeah, I read that too. And yeah, the Bills are hovering. They're about two million. Um, they have about two million in cap space. The Bills. They might make a few cuts. And then right at the top there, you see the Jags, eighty-five million. Jets, seventy-seven million. So you know, guys, this is what we're saying now. We've been we've been sitting here. We've been biding our time as Jet fans, right? We've been yeah. patient. We've been hoping that eventually at some point we can have someone behind the wheels making smart decisions, you know, being pragmatic, getting picks, being patient, getting the most value for guys at the time that you need to get the value from. Getting rid of Le'Veon right. Bell, getting something for Le'Veon Bell. What well, he's a scrub now, maybe. You know, trading Jamal when the whole world thought it might be a bad idea and you get two first and a third, he goes out last year, scrub. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. So yep. Joe Douglas now – he hasn't been able to. This is basically someone who's went out, got all the ingredients, right? For the first time, as Jet fans, we're watching the cooking show and we're like, this all looks like it might be delicious. 
This looks like, this all looks yeah. like this might be yeah. something good, right? Instead of just someone coming home, um, they just have ketchup and like cheese and hamburger buns. And, uh, yo, this is what, that's what's it. You know, this looks like it could be great, but the thing is he hasn't put together the whole dish yet. That's what we gotta see. Right. How is this gonna come together? And all these picks we have, all this money we have in free agency. I mean, it's an exciting time to be a Jet fan. I know this time oh. of the season, we just got through, we're doing some quarterback shows. There's not a lot going on right now, but we're just about to get into this free agent mode. This is the Chronicles, baby. This was the Chronicles. This is one of the best segments that AEBG has ever done. I'm gonna be marketing this out as a triple package. I'm gonna have the YouTube links. I'm gonna have the, the show links for the full length uh, of the context of the show. And we're gonna bundle it and we're gonna be sending it out. This is the QB Chronicles, fellas. And when it comes time for draft day, you can come back here and listen to the in-depth knowledge. The AEBG talked to Darnell Dixon, talked to Bill Robinowitz, spoke with Joe Blewett about Sam Darnold, broke it all down for you. At the end of the QB Chronicles, your boy, co-host of the Ain't Easy Being Green podcast, my opinion, draft Zach Wilson at the number two pick. That's what I say. Yeah, it seems like, and I want to get Wookie's opinion too, the smoke is clearing here. The mocks have been saying it for a bit. We spoke to Bill about Justin Fields. We spoke to our boy Darnell about Zach Wilson. We chopped it up with Joe Blewett about the potential of bringing Sam back. I know those other quarterbacks, Mike, say you traded down, but I don't think they're realistic for us. I think it's Zach Wilson also. I think that's the direction they're going to go. You can look up right now. There was a report on Fox today. The Jets are deciding between Sam Darnold and Zach Wilson. I think drafting Zach Wilson to the squadron the ceiling's a lot higher, much more accurate quarterback, even last year than Sam has ever been in his career. Ever. And then, so if you think about it, if you could get the value for Sam, say it's a second, and you have Zach Wilson, put that on one side, or the other side, you keep Sam and you draft whoever a two. I think that Zach Wilson a two and the trade for Sam is a lot, probably puts us in a better spot. Yeah. Well, I don't know. What do you think, Wookie, after all this? Do you think that's the, the is that the way you're leaning to? I know. All these things are a crapshoot with these quarterbacks, but do you think that's where the Jets should go in 2021 is to go with Zach Wilson? I think so. I mean, from what I've been reading, what I've been hearing, obviously they're fielding calls. You don't make that public unless you're looking to trade them. You get what you can for Sam, obviously. I mean, you don't want to get uh, you don't want to get completely short-ended on a trade for Sam Darnold. But at this point, if you think Wilson's the guy. And you can get a second for yep. Sam or a second and some some random player that you might think might hit years down the line. Yeah, Joe Blue had said Joe Blue had said maybe second and a fifth. That, oh, thought. I mean Yeah, so that that seems plausible to me also, Mike. I think that's probably absolutely. in the ballpark. I think that's more realistic. Unless a team really like for instance, Mike, a scenario like this where the Saints, as you know, have to cut all types of cap space. And yep. um, it's not like Sam is that expensive this year of a quarterback to add to the squad, Mike. So it's that maybe they take a chance just based off that um, instead of trying to sign someone big. I mean, I don't think they're, I don't think they're gonna go with Taysom Hill next year. I don't think James no, Winston. Oh, I, like from all reports you hear, Jameis Winston is not the guy they're gonna go with. He's not the answer down there either. So I don't know, it's a lot of, it was fun, man, talking to these guys about yeah, the quarterbacks. Yeah, and even yeah. Justin Fields, man, he, he's, he's legit prospect also. Yeah, but I do think after all this, um, it does seem like Wilson's going to be the guy, and I do hope that's yes. where we go. Is that who you want, Keith? Yeah, that's. I mean, that's who I want. When I, when, I'm talking the year, about. when we got towards the end of the year, about, I needed the machine love. I needed it. 
I needed the verification because I'm gonna tell you right now, Zach Wilson is going number one in the SCFL draft. I'll tell you that. Oh, I'll tell you that right now. That's well, especially especially if especially if if this movie becomes a jet. Just so you know, Mike has the first pick. Everybody in our draft, he's gonna scream at us, and he'll scream at us. You had the first and second again. Didn't you have yeah. the first and second three years ago? I did. I did. I did. Oh, I did. And, I'm, and this time I'm doing, I'm going to do that. I'm doing, yeah. I'm doing Wilson and Harris, baby. Wilson and Harris. I'm just <laughs> Give it all Let's away. Talk, Give it all away live on air. I love it. <laughs> Give me the draft strategy. I want to hear it. Oh, excuse me. Next week we're going to have for you is me, Mike, the Wookiee. We're going to have the most miserable Jet fan in the world, Mike Milano, as well as <laughs> Jay Tomasulo, a.k.a. the Fat Man, the ultimate Jet chef in the parking lot, hooking up with us next week. They're part of the Jet Syndicate, and uh, they're going to be here with us talking about free agency. Um, there's so many different free agents out there, so many different things that could happen. Hopefully by next week, a few more guys maybe even get cut, Mike. Give us a little bit, maybe more of a clearer picture, but you never know. And, uh, you know, hopefully 2021 is a, a turnaround year here for the squad. But, Mike, if anyone does want to get at us, support us. Or give some love to ABG in any way, shape, or form. Where could they do that? Well, we're hosted on the Elite Sports Radio Network. You can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spreaker.com. Please follow us on Facebook at AEBG.JetsRadio. On Twitter at AEBG underscore NYJ Podcast. And on Instagram at Jet.AEBG. And everybody, you know, if you could just go on YouTube and Google AEBG Podcast. Just give us a play, dude. Give us a view. Throw just, us, just guys, just throw us some subscriptions because what we got to do is start from the ground up, man. That's how you start it up. That's how you start the ground swell. Just like we did with the podcast. We have a ton of listeners now. We want to switch it over to the YouTube channel, get a ton of viewers on there you, as well. You, you can just put in AEBG and we Comes pop right up. up. You be, can yeah, yeah. Google AEBG <laughs> and we're the first thing up. Just said Google AEBG and give us a like and a listen. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you very much, guys. And uh, on behalf of the biggest Jet fan in the state of Texas, Michael Garris, and the big stinking Wookiee, Nicholas Cronk, my name is Keith Fowler. We'll get at you next week, everybody. Peace out. Hey, this is Joe Namus, and uh, they say it ain't easy being green. Are you ready? The New York Jets can beat anybody in the world, and I think we're going to win next Sunday. The New York Jets. I think Jet fans, Jet fans, Jet fans, fans are very passionate. Bird, Bird. Thank you, all you fans. They got their guy. Darnold falling to the Jets. Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold. That's such an upside. I think Jet fans are very passionate. Brady sucks. Don't be the suck. Call the number leaders.